This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Monday, January 13th, 2020. On this day in 1996, Nine-year-old Amber Hagerman was abducted from a supermarket parking lot in Arlington, Texas, and murdered. While her killer has never been found, the tragedy of her disappearance sparked the creation of the Amber Alert System, which has rescued more than 900 abducted children to date. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're discussing the abduction and murder of nine-year-old Amber Hagerman. Now, let's go back to January 13, 1996, around 3 p.m. Twenty-eight-year-old Donna Whitson parked in the driveway of her parents' house, got out, and opened the backseat door of her car. Her children, nine-year-old Amber and five-year-old Ricky, excitedly unbuckled their seatbelts. They loved visiting their grandparents. It meant that they could go ride their bikes at the abandoned Winn-Dixie supermarket a few blocks away. The empty parking lot was perfect for riding, and the old loading dock could even be used as a bike ramp. Jim Kevill, a neighbor, could hear their glee. The 78-year-old retiree lived about 100 yards behind the Winn-Dixie. As he worked on his car in his driveway, he could see Amber and Ricky riding their bikes up and down the ramp. He listened to their laughter as he tinkered with his car. But suddenly, the giggles turned into a blood-curdling scream. Jim looked up. Across his fence, he saw a black pickup truck parked in the lot beside the loading dock. A man dragged Amber off her bike, pulling her towards his truck. She kicked and screamed, fighting him with all her might, but her efforts were futile. Her kidnapper stuffed her into the cab of the truck, got behind the wheel, and peeled out of the lot. Jim ran to the telephone and called 911. He told police that he'd just witnessed a kidnapping. Meanwhile, Ricky Hagerman rode his bike back to his grandparents, unaware that Amber had been kidnapped. He hadn't seen the man in the pickup and assumed his sister had just gone home. But when he got to his grandparents' house, she wasn't there. He told his grandparents that he couldn't find Amber, they called the police, and Grandpa Jimmy ran to the parking lot. He and a police officer scoured the lot, but there was no sign of Amber, except for her abandoned bicycle. Donna rushed back to her parents' house. Amber and Ricky's father, 45-year-old Richard Hagerman, met her there. Both were in shock. How could their little girl have been taken in broad daylight, in front of a busy street? Meanwhile, police spoke to neighbor Jim Kevill. 
he told them again what he'd seen, that a late model black pickup truck, possibly a Ford, had pulled into the lot and that a man had forcibly put Amber in the car. But he couldn't give a thorough description of the driver. Due to the distance and how quickly the abduction had happened, it was difficult to get a good look at the man's face. All that Jim was sure of was that the man had likely been at or under six feet tall, and that he was either white or Latino. To this day, Kevil remains the only witness to Amber's disappearance. Word went out around the city about Amber's abduction. Friends and strangers alike offered to help, forming search parties. Donna and Richard had already called the FBI and every news outlet they could think of. They figured that the wider the story spread, the better the odds were of reclaiming their daughter. As reporters began to gather, Donna and Richard tearfully pleaded for Amber's safe return. The next day, January 14th, police established a hotline for any tips. Hundreds flooded in, but none provided any real or useful information. Posters with a photo of Amber's face and her vital statistics, plus a description of what she was wearing, went up all over town. One resident even rented a plane and flew over the surrounding area, searching for a black pickup truck. The search for Amber grew into a national effort. FBI profilers and agents worked with 45 police officers and four sergeants on the case. Police grappled with the possibility that Amber had been taken across state lines, even though they suspected that her kidnapper was local. For four days, an entire town waited with bated breath to hear that Amber had been found alive and unharmed. But it was not to be. Just before midnight on Wednesday, January 17, 1996, almost five days after her abduction, Amber Hagerman was found. Her throat had been slashed multiple times. She lay face down in a creek only four miles from where she'd been taken. Aside from a sock on her right foot, she was nude. To this day, whoever killed Amber Hagerman has never been caught. Up next, Amber's brutal killing spawns the creation of a national child abduction alert system named the Amber Alert. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. After nine-year-old Amber Hagerman's body was found in the early morning of January 18, 1996, her parents, Donna Whitson and Richard Hagerman, struggled to accept the news. They couldn't believe that their darling daughter was dead. The coroner stated that Amber had been killed by multiple slashes to the throat. 
Unfortunately, there was little else they knew about Amber's final hours. Rain from a thunderstorm the day before had swollen the creek where Amber was found. Water had washed her body clean of any forensic evidence. On January 19th, the news broke nationwide of Amber's murder. A Dallas massage therapist named Deanna Simone heard the announcement over the radio. Like many people, she was overcome by the news. But then she had an idea. If the local media could send out weather alerts via television and radio, why couldn't they do the same for missing children? She picked up the phone and placed a call to local radio station KDMX. Then she followed up her call with a letter. She argued that most abducted children were placed into vehicles and taken away. Amber, she argued, had to have been seen in the black pickup truck by someone besides Jim Kevill, but people hadn't known in advance to be on the lookout for her. So in the words of Deanna Simone, nobody knew what they were seeing. Deanna argued that an alert system needed to be created to let people know the moment a child had been abducted. It would contain license plate numbers, make and model of vehicles, and descriptions. This way, the public could recognize anything out of the ordinary. She added one request, that this system be named after Amber. In 1996, a group of radio stations in the Dallas-Fort Worth area decided to implement Deanna Simone's suggestion. They teamed up with local law enforcement to establish criteria for when and how this emergency alert system could be used. They called the system America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, or AMBER. Soon, television stations began to air the alerts as well. The alert saved its first life in November of 1998, when eight-week-old Ray Lee Bradbury was found just 90 minutes after the alert was sounded. In 2002, Governor Rick Perry established a statewide AMBER plan throughout Texas. Two days later, Texas issued the first statewide alert. It led to the rescue of one-month-old Nancy Crystal Chavez. By September of 2002, 26 states had adopted Amber Alerts. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California and Kay Bailey Hutchison of Texas spearheaded a bipartisan effort to bring the Amber Alerts to a national level. The bill passed unanimously. In 2003, President George W. Bush signed into law a related bill called the PROTECT Act which established a national AMBER plan framework. In the years since, over 20 countries have adopted AMBER alerts, letting the public in on crucial details about the abductor and victim is a huge help for law enforcement, because when it comes to missing children, time is crucial. Most children who are abducted are killed within the first three hours they're taken. As of September of 2019, experts believe that Amber Alerts have saved the lives of over 900 children worldwide. Sadly, Amber Hagerman died before one could save her life. To this day, police are still searching for her killer. One million dollars, 6,000 tips, and a dozen false confessions later, they're no closer to bringing her killer to justice.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joanna Philbin, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 